0: Yeah, welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Monkey. You can find me at FF Larry Monkey on Twitter, and I'm joined by Greg Hume, and you can find him at gregles 17 baby and we are uh, we're also joined by brian hooten fishing for a win on twitter and justin at run and today we have a very special guest who um needs no introduction i don't think because he he's a, a very uh, i mean he's been on everybody's podcast he has an awesome podcast himself dynasty and chill pod which is wonderful we know him as scott connor you can find him on twitter at charles chill ffb how you doing scott Welcome welcome to the Hot Sauce Pod. Yeah,
1: glad to be here. This should be a, a good conversation of what's going on in Dynasty right now, and who knows where else the show will go. Listen to a couple of your other episodes, and you know, definitely some uh, off-topic stuff that gets brought up. So glad to be here, and uh, you know, can't wait to talk some Dynasty. It's been, I think, four days since I did a podcast, so ready to roll. Oh, man.
2: Over.
1: That's got to be a record Not for you,
2: out. man. You've been, you've been, uh... <laughs> Have you are you get the shakes already, Scott? Is everything okay?
1: <laughs> you know, I lot I've booked him up for the the next three nights after this too, so I've kind of had to like plan out my schedule because otherwise I'm sitting in this garage like all day, all night. So yeah, I'm excited to be here though. It should be good. All right. So you're
2: like Brian. You you guys like go out to like you know where you're isolated and uh, from the family and everything. Like he he has to go out to his mm-hmm. shop like on the other side of the property or something. You're you're stuck out in the garage. Yeah, gotcha.
1: You know that Brian can probably relate though. It's Ohio weather, you know, probably a week ago I'm sitting in here and I was 90 minutes in on a podcast and I'm sitting here chattering because it's so cold. Yeah. And and now I'm out here going like, where the hell is the fan? It's (laughs) just (laughs) the polar opposite of how it's been the last, you know, in Ohio you could literally get, you know, sub, sub freezing temperatures one week and then the next week it's in the eighties. So it's just crazy, crazy weather.
0: Nice. All right. So, oh yeah, real quick, happy anniversary to
3: Brian. He's uh. He celebrated his anniversary this weekend, so good for you, buddy. Did you do anything special? Uh, we went to the melt because that's about the only <laughs> thing. Starting to open up is the restaurant, so we did go get a bite to eat for a little while. No so kidding. Nice. You, did you have to mask up for
0: that, or how did that work? No.
3: It's still kind of mixed bag. Uh, some people are. Some people aren't. I, I'm back to work now, so we've had to do that like all day for eight, you know, nine hours a day, and I'm kind of over it everywhere else. <laughs> All right, man. You got to worry
0: about the mask. I, I I have a I have a mask, a cotton one, and it's getting kind of kind of warm here. It's been in the 70s lately, and I, I walk into this. Um, where was I? I was in a kind of like a, a a butcher shop, and I'm sitting there, and I just start getting I just start freaking out because my face is getting hot, and I'm and I'm just like I'm getting like claustrophobic, and I couldn't understand like how am I gonna survive wearing a friggin' mask when it's a hundred degrees in the middle of July. I don't know how that's going to work. And then, I mean,
2: I guess, you know, there are. Screw you and your 70-something degrees. It was 93 here today. Oh, yeah. Who am I talking with? Justin
0: down in Mississippi. Holy yeah.
3: shit. <laughs> I, don't think we were- <laughs> I don't think we were real far behind you today, Justin. I was out doing yard work all day and yeah. to change clothes like twice sweated through. It was so hot. <laughs> Muggy out today. So,
0: Justin, yep. you, so you familiar? You must be, I mean, do you deal, are you doing the mask thing? I mean, I'm in Jersey, I'm yep. in New Jersey on the Northeast, and we got hit hard. So, it's straight up masks and gloves, no matter what you do. What's it like in Mississippi? I know they ease restrictions down there. How do you, are you dealing with the mask? Do you understand what I'm talking about with that whole heat on the face thing? And-
2: uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I actually, uh, went back to the work at the at the bar, uh, maybe two and a half weeks ago, something like that. And we have to wear a mask our entire shift. uh, Yeah, so I've got eight, nine hours behind the bar, running around, mask on, washing my hands like eight, nine times an hour, literally. So it's crazy. But thanks. I only only work there a couple days a week, a little side gig. So it's not too bad. But the people that are working every day, like my other job, I I put together, I was texting you guys earlier this week about the swing set I was putting together. At least then I was outside. I don't have to wear a mask. I can do whatever I want, that kind of thing. So, right. when you're stuck inside working eight, nine, ten hours, whatever, like Brian, and wearing a mask during that, it doesn't matter what the temperature is. You're going to get hot anyway. All right. right. So-
0: well, I mean, I mean that's that's what's going on in the in the country right now. But some bigger things have, have been happening in the world of football. Uh, just when we thought DJ Dallas was going to you know take that Seattle backfield and, and and take over and be the rookie of the year. Uh, with that <laughs> with all the hype he's been getting lately. Uh, they went out and signed Carlos Hyde. So we have Rashad Penny, we have Chris Carson. Uh, we, they, they drafted the rookie in Dallas. What do we think of this Hyde? Well Carlos Hyde, didn't he just have a thousand yards for, for Houston yep. last season? um he's I mean he's always been kind of like he's been he's been rather consistent he hasn't you know he hasn't been super flashy he hasn't been really super terrible he's always
1: kind of been right in that middle yeah I mean I think the the news of them sniffing around running backs has been there all offseason but finally you know Carlos Hyde you have to look at what Chris Carson does and I'm not a Chris Carson fan so that's not a player I I think I own one share in dynasty and it's it's a unique format to where I don't really feel like selling any running backs is really going to return a profit on a guy like Carson. But other than that, I have never been on the Carson train. I've always been a penny truther and I'll maybe talk about him a little bit later. Cause we're going to talk some potential buys. Mm. But I think the thing with Hyde is he does a lot, very similar to what Penny or what Carson does. And so it really just kind of looks like this is a hedge on both the Carson injury, but then also You know, just someone that can maybe reduce the workload a little bit with Carson. I mean, I pulled up just the stats because I was curious to see where the projections after Hyde signing there, what the projections would look like in terms of what his work would be. But if you look at just his numbers from the last two years, I mean, and he had that transition year where he's with Cleveland and then got traded to Jacksonville and then ended up going to Houston last year. So basically this is three different offenses that he's put up these numbers in. But he's actually been pretty consistent. If you look over those three years or over those two seasons, he played – 30 total games, and he played 924 snaps. So it's somewhere around like 30 snaps a game or so. And in those, he's averaging around 13 to 14 carries and, you know, call it 50 yards. But if you just calculate it out to PPR points, you're somewhere like 10 PPR points, point per carry points, somewhere like 13 to 14. So I'm just curious as to, you know, what Seattle's backfield looked like. You guys remember two years ago when they had Mike Davis and they split Basically, the workload between Mike Davis and Penny is the handcuff for Carson. And then last year, they still ran over 30% of their touches, went to the other running backs. I mean, that was combined between, you know, basically five guys. You know, you had Penny, you had Travis Homer back there as well. Uh, But Seattle already runs a committee. You know, they've used, they've always used a third down back on top of two different running backs. So I guess I just kind of look at this as, it hurts Carson, it doesn't really help Hyde, but I actually think in point per carry leagues, Hyde could be somebody that you could get super cheap um, that can still score points. I mean, I can still see him scoring double digit points in point per carry leagues just based on the backup workload. So I think it just hurts Carson more than it helps Hyde, but I also think it's just insurance.
0: Right. It makes sense. I mean, is anyone a Carson fan here that's here right now? I'm not a Carson fan. I've never been I a mean, Carson
1: fan. I mean, I think he's
2: just a guy, but I think everybody in that backfield is just a guy, you know? Right. That's the thing about it now. I really thought Penny was going to take that job before last year, uh, because they had, because he has you know, theoretically more talent, you know, and he's got a, another couple of years on his contract, and you know, but again, Seattle doesn't care about most of that. They just want whoever's going to be productive. So, you know, draft capital has never mattered. It's the old. It's what everyone's been saying for every everybody on the field for them. Like, you know, right. they don't care. They they're just going to put the best player out. There. So, I mean, go ahead. Gonna no, say- I was going to
1: say, if you remember last year, you remember when Penny hurt his hamstring in practice? That was right on the precipice of when Carson started his fumble problems. Yeah, he fumbled and like right Yeah. right. Because I remember talking with Curtis Patrick because he's a huge Penny fan. And I'm like, dude, this is going to be the week. <laughs> and then he hurt his hamstring in practice, missed like three weeks, came back, He had two great games and then his injury came on that Sunday night game against the Rams. And it was almost the worst possible, those two injuries, almost the worst possible time to take over that job. I mean, he was on the precipice of not, I wouldn't say taking the job, you know, like 80, 20, but that was a legitimate 50, 50 split. And the injuries just happened at the worst time. So, I mean, it was almost the unluckiest times twice in the season for Penny. So, You know, maybe it's luck for Carson, but I know nobody's a big Carson fan. But I mean, if they're going to give him the workload, there's so many running backs in Dynasty right now that are just one year guys. You almost have to buy in Carson as long as he, you know, as long as he starts the season healthy. I mean, I don't see any difference between him and a lot of other guys that are valued a lot higher.
2: Yeah. And this really just comes down to health. I mean, Carlos Hyde, I don't think that he's going to take the job uh, because I think that they like Chris Carson in that scheme, they like what he does. And he's been effective. but I think what it says is that if if Carlos Hyde is limited or whatever that uh, I mean if uh, Chris Carson is limited or whatever then uh, Carlos Hyde is a guy that has the same kind of skill set and can step right in and play that same role and they like like Scott said they hedged their bet on that. Uh, um, so for, for me it's a great cheap buy. You know, we, we've talked about the DTL draft that I'm in for like the last three episodes that we've had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The damn thing is still going on. We're in like round 26 now after four weeks. That is still going still. Wow. It's still going. It's still freaking going. But it was perfect because uh, the Hyde news dropped and the next morning my pick popped up. And <laughs> that, the night before, he wasn't in the system because he wasn't signed. And I guess free agents aren't, aren't available in the draft system. As soon as he signed... MFL got it put through and I got Carlos Hyde in like the 25th or 26th round of that, because why not? You know, at that point, you're taking flyers on nobodies. So I might as well take the, the chance on someone who, if he gets on on the field, I'm at least I've got a trade piece, which is exactly what I want at that point. Like, I don't care if if Carlos Hyde at age 43 is going to be an RB a back end RB two. like I'll trade him for a late second, you know, to a contender and be happy to, to do so.
0: So Greg, have you, I, have you I, drafted? Go ahead. What's your, what? Give me your take here.
4: Well, I had high hopes for DJ Dallas. I actually thought that DJ Dallas might be able to beat Chris Carson out for that job. What does this do for his value? Is he just a, a not touch for you? Is he, a, is he more of a buy now because he might be buried on that depth chart and they do – start the, the, the talent I mean they do just start the best players out there it really doesn't matter for Pete Carroll what these players names are or what their draft capital is it seems like the best player plays how what what chance do you give Dallas now that Hyde
1: is in the mix Scott yeah so I think I, I, I can't remember the guy's name but he's the NBC sports writer in Seattle And his take was this pushes Travis Homer specifically to a special teams role. And this puts DJ Dallas into that JD McKissick, uh, CJ Procise role. So I actually think if people are completely dumping on him now, you know, let's say you're in a draft that hasn't happened. And typically he's going like in the early fourth round of drafts, right? Let's say he falls down. I think you can get him even cheaper. I don't think that this means he's completely squeezed out because I don't know if he was necessarily fighting for the same touches that they were looking to sign somebody with Carlos Hyde. Now, is he going to be a guy that ever is going to get more than five, six touches in a game? Probably not. But with the injury history on Carson, you know, if something were to happen to Carson, I don't think they turn over and give Carlos Hyde 25 touches a game. I think it becomes more of like a 65-35 maybe Dallas could be somebody that's on the field for pass catching. So I think he just slots into the role that the third-down running backs always had there, which has been decent in spots. So I wouldn't give up on him yet.
4: Right. So, so what you're saying is that this high really might not affect Dallas's role in this offense. I,
1: yeah, I don't think they brought him in to replace Chris Carson. I don't think that's the kind of running back he is. I do think they look to upgrade that – because they've always used a third-down back a lot. You know, They've been using a third-down back for – 25, 30% of the snaps. Look back at the last three years, and they've all been guys that couldn't stay healthy. McKissick, CJ Proseis, those guys actually were productive in a couple games, couldn't stay healthy, neither one of them. Um, and so I think this pushes Travis Homer down to, I've dropped Travis Homer in every league at this point, just because I think he's now a special teams only player, injury, injury contingency, You know, a guy that dresses, but don't plan to use him out of the backfield. So I would still if,
2: slot Dallas in over him. If he makes the roster even. You know, mm-hmm. they, got you know, I money. think he
1: will because I think it sounds like he's gonna be their primary uh kick returner. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a he's a contributor on special teams. So I think yeah. he'll make it, but I don't see them going into week, you know, active weeks with only three running backs, just given that if Penny doesn't count, you know, I think they'll keep Homer at least for the first half of the year. But you have a good point. We'll see how it shakes out. Isn't Marshawn Lynch going back there? Come on, guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so just talking real quick, talking about DJ Dallas, his He's being drafted. Uh, DLFADP data has him being drafted as a 14th running back off the board, right in between, right in that McFarland, Kelly, uh, you know, Benjamin, P. Ryan general area. Do you think that's pretty much where he belongs?
2: He he belongs in that yeah.
0: Eno, yeah. P. Ryan role spot. I think I'd rather like, have P. Ryan or I'd
2: Dallas. Marland easily and i think i'd probably yeah. rather have uh kelly as well but then yeah. he probably slots in right around there you know none of it's outrageous
1: i think he's the last draftable yeah. running back I and mean, if you look at that tier of p ryan benjamin dj dallas those three are usually the last running backs and then you're getting down to just dart throws you know you're getting down to some six rounders and undrafted free agents right. but i would definitely put him basically the last draftable running back i'd rather have Eno benjamin and i'd rather have p ryan over him at this point Okay. Right, in, but I think two days ago, I I wasn't thinking that. Two days ago, I was taking yes. him
4: ahead of those guys. So it, it has dropped him. It sounds like collectively between the five of us, it has dropped him into that last kind of hopeful running back.
0: Yeah, I started I started hearing a more a little more hype about him within the like the last week. You just started hearing his name pop up more and more. I guess maybe because all these rookie drafts are happening now, and and. You know, he is one of those last final – that that last tier running back, so that might be a reason. But, um yeah, man, that, that, that's good cool stuff. Go ahead, I'm go
4: excited. You never know what's going to happen in Seattle. Hmm. And if right. he, he ends up being the best hmm. running back that Pete Carroll sees, he could end up with 60% of that work just because Pete Carroll thinks he's the best one. So right. I, I have him all over the place. I'm, I'm crapping my face.
2: Before when all I think, this, I, just looking at my rankings, I had him in 31 – before this happened, uh, just way back in the way um, because of opportunity, but that was ahead of Lynn Bowden Jr., ahead of Kelly McFarland, P. Ryan. You know, I, I don't know. You guys can have you know Benjamin. Speaking of sixth or seventh rounders under, or UDFA's, like,
4: <laughs> no, I don't have that. <laughs> yeah.
2: but, uh, uh, I, I just I just did one of those. Um,
0: I'm in a roto heat league. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I know Brian is, uh, but it's one of those 96 team. You know, five division leagues, and 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 D- DJ Dallas was—he was the back half of the third round in, in all of them. I think he was—he slipped to the fourth yeah. round in one that's of them. Time. So that's that's right. That's right about where he lands. So I guess we don't need to really give him that much more uh, more run than 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 he than we've given him. But uh, you know, just to move it on a little bit, we just talked about the whole Seattle backfield. There were some a lot of, a lot of going, a lot, lots happening with, with the backfield with, with Penny being out and Carson being out and, and the new guys moving in and the signing of Hyde talking about veterans, uh, the way they shift in, in these running back rooms and stuff, running backs or veteran buys, I guess in general, I guess that would cover more than running backs, but but veteran buys for contenders. Um, That's something we wanted to talk to Scott about. So, um, I don't know if you can just shoot off the top of your head it's a couple of um, couple of possible buys for contenders that are are more or less just kind of you know collecting dust on somebody's bench that might be able to you know race from the dead and 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 add add some value to your team.
1: yeah, I mean, I want to hear what you guys have to say too, because there's so many different angles that you can take this time of the season because we don't have we have no news at all on rookies about how they're going to slot in. So you have a ton of veterans out there that you're still kind of holding on hope for what they were before, but you have no idea what the rookie impact is going to be. So I have to think there's some veterans that are undervalued. Somebody I've been trying to buy recently the last week or so is Robbie Anderson. Just Mm. because, you know, you look at, I've started to look, I don't know if you guys are big into looking at projections, but a lot of the projections you see, and this is just surprising to me, but has Teddy Bridgewater in the top 10, top 12, in terms of pass attempts, a couple I've seen, have him in the top six or seven. And I'm sitting here usually thinking, well, Bridgewater's a game manager. He's not going to be a high-volume passer. But then you look at the offense, and I think combine that with their defense, there's going to be a lot of volume to go around there. And, you know, if they move somebody like Curtis Samuel, you got to figure there's more. DJ Moore is not going to get 160 targets. You know, I think he can get 140. But where are the rest of them going to go? Besides McCaffrey and DJ Moore, you're still looking at what? 300 targets to go around. I mean, somebody's got to get him. So there's got to be a buy there. And I, I think the the best upside plus price is probably Robbie Anderson. So I think that's a big buy. Hmm. I love that. In best balls, I'm buying Anderson and Stanley.
4: Why not? And not only – I know he's not known for his deep ball, but not only are they are they expecting him to throw a lot, Scott, his efficiency numbers are really good throughout his career. In Minnesota, he was very efficient with the football, so he's going to put a good ball in front of DJ Moore. You know, within 15 yards down the field, you would assume. So I think not only he going to have high ball, he will be efficient within the, that 20 yard limit where uh, Thomas and Moore are going to live in that offense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited about Ted Bridgewater in that offense. I love that, Robbie. Ed, I love it.
0: Brian, what's your take? Uh, do you have any um, any veteran
3: buys that you could think of that uh, you're at you're, you're looking for? I mean, a little bit. I've been uh, at least like with trying to trade, especially around these rookie drafts. I've been following the uh, the hate, so to speak. Um, like I've got a couple of rebuild teams where I was trying to sell off some bigger assets, trying to get moved around a little bit, and like OBJ, I've had so many offers. People saying, I have no interest, no interest at all. So, if you're in a rookie draft looking maybe to buy somebody a little bit more expensive uh, than like a Robbie Anderson, uh, but could definitely have a big bounce back year. I mean, he was pretty bad last year, and I get that, but he's still not, you know, ancient by any means. He's an elite wide receiver, and I think you could get him for a very decent price. Um, maybe a late first and a second. I mean, some guys are just ready to be completely done with him, wash their hands of him.
0: Maybe you can um, get like Terry McLaren and a second off, off him for him, right yeah that, that's, that's, right, a, that's an inside joke La- last season I traded uh, OBj to Brian for Terry McLaren and a twenty 2020 second round pick was it and you you snap he that was a, that was a smash so, yeah. on his part, and within five minutes he flipped him to Shane for like three first round picks <laughs> 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 you win some, you lose some, but that's all I, the value. I, yeah, it was, yeah. It was des- desperate times. We we're, were entering playoff time, so.
2: Uh, Larry, you gotta know,
4: to
2: you gotta know to at least send an offer to Shane before you uh, go anywhere else. Yeah, send a low ball offer to Shane and let him let him you know
0: go crazy. I normally, you know what I normally do, and I was just getting so frustrated trying to move OBJ because everyone kept telling me the same thing they were just like uh, and yeah, yeah i'm not I'm not interested in obj i yeah i need that, I need a little bit more for i need a little bit more for him uh, yeah I'm not, I'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not into him now you know and it was just like this is obj and i'm just and he was banged up he had you know he had the 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 core injury right, um, yeah. so you know and then he, i think he was playing like baltimore in, in the in the playoff week I, I saw them right before that baltimore game so it was like Cleveland, Baltimore, OBJ. I'm, I'm in this – this is the 16-teamer when you're like, you know, I'm, I wanted to – I didn't want to limp across the finish line. I wanted to, you know, break through it. So you had to make some moves to, um, you know, solidify that run. And, and OBJ, I was scared. That's why I moved Robbie Anderson too since we just talked about Robbie. Um, I, I, I swapped Robbie for Brahim Mostert at the time. Cause again, yeah, Robbie, Robbie was playing Baltimore. That was, and then he ended up having a good game. He had the same, I think most are outscored him by like a point or two. So it really didn't make much sense to, to make that deal. But again, you're, you're, you're in that, that part of the season where you're kind of in, in not panic mode, but you kind of are cause you don't want to make the wrong move. That's going to, you don't want to start a guy that's going to give you a goose egg. Like this, this one league that I ended up winning the championship. It was a 10 team league. I I dropped, I dropped uh, Darius Slayton in the preseason. The guy that picked him up right after I dropped him started him against me in the championship game. Slayton produces a goose egg, and I win by four points. So that was a move that you know some the moves you don't make. um, You know, I don't know, but OBJ, yeah, I I like I like OBJ. I've I'm, I'm over my. That that end of season, I've uh, you know he's had this surgery. I think Browns are going to be a, a, so much better now that they have some stability in there, or what what one would think. I know I'm t- talking to a couple Ohio guys, but um, that not that not that Brian gives a shit since he's a Packers fan. But who do you for who do you root for, Scott?
1: I'm a Bengals fan, so yeah. I don't nice. the <laughs> Bengals.
0: Yeah. This is great, man. We're just a glutton for punishment. Well, the three yeah. of us are at least. <laughs> a couple of Packers fans, and Justin likes the Falcons. But, uh, but I, uh, so, Justin, were you thinking about any any veteran buys that you might that you that come across your uh either your
2: your offering yes. or your you're receiving an offer about? So I actually I was looking at some ADP earlier and all, and a couple names popped out to me. Uh, as and they're you know in the DLF ADP, I think they're actually going later. Uh, one of them is Philip Lindsay, which for me, he Ooh, nice. like, I got him, I got him in the 16th round of a startup recently. That's just stupid. That's like, this is a cake.
4: guy who the second
2: <laughs> running back in that offense last year had like 190 touches, I can't remember, something like that for Freeman. And now, would they bring in uh, they bring in Melvin Gordon, who we all know can get banged up. I mean, he, he had not played a full season yet, uh, and and you're getting a situation where I mean, even if Lindsey doesn't start, and I mean, I don't, nobody's assuming he is, but there's a good chance that you get three, four, five games of startability out of him, and not to mention he ends up. There's a good for me. I think there's a there's a high chance or a high probability that he ends up being a solid flex play throughout the season. You know, where he's getting 10, 12, 14 touches still, because that's just how their team operates. They're not, they don't, uh, they don't give a bell cow role to anybody. Um, They, they like to rotate guys in and out. Uh, And his skill set is not redundant with Gordon. Gordon's a better pass catcher, but uh, Lindsey's still got that uh, outside speed kind of, kind of play that he's been, uh, that he's used well in that offense. Um, I still don't think that that's going to be a high volume passing offense. I think they're gonna run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And when they're done with that, they're probably gonna run again. So keep uh, locked faith that way. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know if you guys actually watched him, but he, he wasn't that <laughs> impressive. So I mean, I'm just gonna keep beating that drum until I'm wrong. But um I mean their their offensive line is really good. So why why put the young quarterback in the situation where uh, he could lose the game when they've got a running game that can they can carry the load. So uh, mm-hmm. That was one for me, um, and then another guy, and I just scrolled past him a minute ago and completely blanked. Well, he's way down there. Oh, another guy for me, Chase Edmonds. Um, you know, you were talking about you know Benjamin a minute ago, Scott, but I think that's he's the third or fourth yeah. guy on that list. Uh, but you got Chase Edmonds right behind Kenyon Drake in a uh, in a role where he's dirt cheap now. He's just been forgotten. You know, last year he was being moved for first. During his little like one and a half game run before he got hurt, everybody yep. was. I jumped on it as soon as as soon as I could sell him, I did, and it worked out perfectly. Buy him back, and then if Kenyon Drake goes down, sell him again. I mean, yeah. he's he's an effective running back. He's been very good on a per touch basis in his career, so might as well uh, invest the low capital that you have to to get into to get back on that train.
0: I got I got Chase Edmonds as a throw in in a deal. And then I, I turned around and added him him and Royce Freeman. I traded for Mark Ingram in that league I just talked about. And and Ingram had his RB1 season last year. So that would, that turned out to be a, a steal for me. And it propelled me to, to uh to the championship game. So um yeah, Edmonds, I loved Edmonds. I love Edmonds. I still do. I mean he and when he got his chance, he he shined, you know. I mean, granted, he was playing, he went off on the Giants but you know, who are terrible. So, uh, but yeah, man, he's still there. And yeah, I'm sure he's, you know, he's got that, I don't know if it was his ankle that he tore up or whatever it was, but um, yeah, man, I'm, I, that's a good one. I like Chase Edmonds.
4: He's a great throw. And like you said, yeah. uh, I have some thoughts on Lindsay. Gordon is a really good pass catcher and Lindsay wasn't, Lindsey hasn't really caught passes out of that backfield, right? Right, right. And I know I know they're going to run the ball a lot, but if Melvin Gordon's going to be catching passes out of the backfield and I assume he's going to be getting the goal line work, I worry about what's really left for Phillip Lindsey. I mean, even if they run the ball 30, 32 times a game and he gets 10 of those carries, it's going to take a couple of long runs if he's not going to catch any passes or get any goal line work, Right.
1: Well, if you guys listened to at all, have you heard Cecil Lammy on the Audible talk about the Broncos backfield this offseason no. yet?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: No. So here's what he said. Last year, they were so upset that Royce Freeman could not hit a hole in their zone scheme that they yeah. transitioned to giving Philip Lindsay all of the inside running work, and they took away – they didn't want to have him on the field for more than like half the snaps, but they were forced to basically put Royce Freeman into a pass-catching role. So that's why those splits – are so different. You know, Freeman, who's the 230 pound back was getting all the targets and Lindsay yeah, was getting was. all the carries. Now they were concerned about Lindsay's ability to catch passes. Like they don't see him as a James White or a Dion Lewis. Like they don't see him as a pass catcher. So I think that role still could be up in the air, but that was the reason why those splits were so different last year. It was more of them basically just saying Royce Freeman does not have the juice to run in this scheme. You know, he can't find the holes and when he finds them, he can't hit them fast enough. So they were forced to use Lindsay so they could get more production. So it'll be interesting to see how Gordon fits, but also I don't think they see Lindsay as like a satellite back. They see him as basically a smaller version of Melvin Gordon. They're going to use them the same way, but I don't think you're going to know, you know, one's the third down back. One's the early down back. Right. I think they're going to interchange him. So it's, it's interesting you brought up Lindsey and Chase Edmonds because one other guy that's getting massively. I mean, I've seen him on some drop lists earlier this offseason, you know, January, February. People going, you know, do I cut this guy on my shallow dynasty league? But then I'm starting to look at the projections now, and this guy's like 200, you know, 200 touches, 180 touches. And I've seen him cut on teams. And I don't know if you guys can, can think of who it is, but it's somebody that's basically has another person in the backfield that's probably worth triple what he is. And. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being somebody that outscores him. Yes, and have any clue who it is. Second most production from running backs last year in the NFL from their offense. Yes,
2: okay. well, the team. I'm my
1: brain going through and trying to figure out uh,
2: which team it's, we're talking. About.
1: You brought it up, Justin, the other day when you were talking about that team draft where you're drafting the teams. Oh. You brought okay, up the team. So AFC about, about AFC. the Niners? San Francisco. It's you know who I'm thinking of. Moster- uh, Mosters? Mostert? Tevin Coleman is being shit on by everybody. I traded <laughs> I traded him yeah. for
0: Josh Rosen last year. Uh, last I, season, mean, I traded Tevin Coleman for Josh Rosen in a super flex. It I does seem like him. he's – Coleman was, is, is such – I just want to strangle him. But anyway, go ahead. But he survived the draft.
1: They yeah. talked about restructuring or cutting his contract. They didn't do it. He's going to make the team. McKinnon still hasn't practiced. So, I mean, everything – and they got rid of Brita. So, like, everything has happened that said – the Niners still really liked Tevin Coleman. If he didn't have that high ankle sprain last year, Mostert yeah. would have never happened. He was he productive the first like five games of the year. He looked then,
2: just yeah.
1: Yeah, it so it does
2: seem like he's the forgotten man in that. Where you know everyone's talking about Mostert, and then the hype around McKinnon getting healthy and making cuts now, like that's been the big deal on Twitter for the last probably four or five days. Oh, McKinnon's making cuts, you know. McKinnon's okay, trash. But, but wait till he cuts <laughs> and, and his knee falls off again, like. When he cuts and his patellar tendon is five years, five yards behind him, you know, that kind of thing. Like,
1: in, in these rookie drafts where waivers have run, I am picking up Jamichael Hasty and Salvin Ahmed in every yeah. single draft, and I'm pairing them together. I'm going to hold them until training camp. One of them's probably going to make the active roster. You know, one of them probably gets cut, but yeah. one of them's going to at least make the team, if not just the practice squad. But, I mean, I want to see who wins that job because, I mean, they're like Seattle. If you make the team and you get active on a game day – you're one injury away from being a guy. Wow, I can flex that guy next week. So, just some thoughts on that it'll backfield. Be, I think it's all mostered and everyone else is just getting crapped on.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize them in the preseason cuz that that's a good telltale sign of of how they're going to evolve their in the regular season there. I mean, that's how it happened with Lindsey. Lindsey was getting run with the first team when he first came out uh when he, and, and he was he was uh, he was undrafted as well. So, uh, the, they started using him with the first team. And and I can remember, um, you know, that was like, well, who's this Lindsey guy? And, and he's, he's running with the first team. I think it was Chris Sims um, was talking on one, of, on one of his podcasts that, you know, because he has that inside NFL kind of experience. This is why they're doing this. This is why they're doing that uh, kind of spiel. And uh, he tipped me off on Lindsay. I actually drafted Lindsay in the HQ League during the draft, and I, I flipped him to Shane for Ronald Jones. Uh, and then I ended up turning Ronald Jones into the 115 because I sold him to Justin. So there you go. Full yeah, I'm circle. kind of regretting Seven that. Kevin Bacon,
2: man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're, 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 you're regretting
2: that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit. Uh,
4: uh, quick up, the, I, Philip. Lindsey. Philip Lindsay's currently going for eleven bucks in
2: HQ four. Ah, okay, so that's a buy for me. That's a buy at eleven dollars on a thousand yeah. dollar budget. Like that's that's easy.
0: Can we just do a quick pivot because there's some HQ stuff going on? Scott, you're are you currently in an HQ league right now?
1: That's happening in a draft. That a draft is going on right now. Yeah, I'm in HQ five. I'm actually winning Philip Lindsay for seventeen bucks because ah. we're down to the point where. I went the zero RB strategy and have already made a couple of trades, so I'm basically just trying to scrounge together running back. So yeah, I'm winning Lindsay right now. I'm I love what you guys are saying because I'm on the same boat. I mean, high volume running offense and a guy that's going to make the team, going to have a role. So we'll see. Now,
0: now Greg, you are are you going to put a bid in on Lindsay right now? Now that we've had this discussion,
4: <laughs> I am not. You're not? I'm not because I'm not. I think that I think Melvin Gordon is a great pass catcher, and I think they're going to use him at the goal line. I'm just not sure where Philip Lindsay fits in that offense with Melvin Gordon in that backfield. Well, it doesn't it matter. Really, it really, it doesn't it matter really if you're weird. sure
0: or not. If it doesn't matter if you're gonna, if you're sure or not, it's a matter of is he worth the twelve bucks that he's going to prize. Right, yeah. You think he's so worth? You're talking
2: it? about one percent of your Greg. You're talking about one percent of your budget. So let's think about this. Like one percent of your budget—that's basically like a twenty or twenty-second round draft pick in a, in a, you know, like you're talking about nothing, no investment. So, and Wait, what, happens if, I, what happens if Melvin Gordon goes down? Then you have an RB one, RB a high end RB two. You know, like I know that he's not a, he's not known as a pass catcher, but he still had thirty five receptions last year. So that's two a game. And he's also not,
0: he, he's no longer the flavor of the week. So th- so there's not that he doesn't have that going for him now. Because when he was, you could have got a first round pick for at Lindsey at one point. Uh, and he, that, I mean, you just went your way, right?
4: Unlike Scott, I spent up at running back, so I'm kind of trying to focus on getting some good young wide receivers right now. Understood. And it does make sense. It is like you said, ten percent of my budget. I'm just, I'm really, not, I'm really not interested. I could, Justin, I could say that about any backfield. I could say anybody could get hurt. Well,
2: yeah, but sure. But would you spend eleven bucks on Chase Edmonds? Would you spend eleven bucks on? Uh, Boston Scott, would you spend eleven? I would. I'd spend eleven dollars on any of those guys. It's one percent. I mean,
4: Rashad Penny. That's, really, that's a really good point. That's a really, really, that's a really good. Like, that's a really at that
2: point. point, you're you're buying a backup is what you're doing, and and you're yep. when you're buying Lindsay, you're buying a backup who is going to have a role in the like. He's not just a pure backup. He's a you know a bye week flex option as well. So, well,
1: it's funny okay. in HQ HQ five. I was the guy. If you guys heard the last podcast they did. They talked about the guy that spent 38 on DJ Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So day you know, day one, we'll get to this later, but I'm in so many leagues. I own like Darrington Evans in 12 leagues. So I'm like in a startup, I'm not going to buy <laughs> it. And so I'm the guy when everyone else is nominating Mahomes and Barkley, day one, I throw up DJ Dallas. Day two, I throw up Darrington Evans. And of course they go for $38 and 36. And now we're battling for Tariq Cohen, James White, Philip Lindsay, Carry On Johnson, Marlon Mack. These guys are going for like 15 bucks. That's such like, a year. I'd That's rather have three fear, of those right? guys than one DJ Dallas. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Greg, I mean, Greg, are you saving any money on all these
2: players? Because remember, we talked to, in our chat, we talked about you uh, pivoting once, once prices were getting too crazy and everyone had thrown all their money out there. Have you saved money on some of these players later on? Because yeah, I when we were looking at it, it was like, Everyone had a hundred dollars and nine players or ten players. It's like nobody had any money yeah. left.
4: Yeah, I got uh remember we talked about me getting Darren Waller and then going young at tight end. I ended up right. getting Ian Thomas. I, I got a good deal on Ian Thomas for sixteen bucks. I'm on yeah. Duke Johnson I'm on Duke Johnson right now for six bucks. Uh I'm into Michael Pick I'm into Michael Pickner right now for thirty-six bucks though. So
2: Which at that point but you know, like when you're talking about that, I think that's not bad. I mean again. Three and a half percent of your budget for right. for for uh, an early second round pick, basically.
4: And when you so. get uh, – about Rager's about to go for sixty. Yeah, so I'd, so rather have, I'd rather 60 have. 60 and, today, so. Yeah, yeah. Now I have a question. Would you rather have? So here we got Matt Breida at twelve, or Philip Lindsay at eleven.
1: I'll take Philip Lindsay. Lindsay.
4: Lindsay, is it Lindsay at eleven?
1: What about you, Scott? That's close. You know, I think uh, Brita's injury history just scares me. I've never mm-hmm. been an investor just because it seems like every game it's limping off the field. Even when he comes, he seems like he comes back, but he's yeah. a frustrating player to own. But I think I would probably go Breta if I had to pick between the two, but yeah, that's super close. It's just process wise. You know, I look at the list and it's like, you could just name, you know, you go all the way down the line, Boston Scott, Tevin Coleman, Justin Jackson, Brita, Giovanni Bernard, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard. I mean, you're, you're just going down a name of a – if you can just grab, like, 12 of those guys, I mean, yeah, you're going to need some luck. But, I mean, I actually think you can hack your way to potential goodness this year because there's a lot of good handcuffs that are guaranteed to get work.
2: Absolutely. That's the key. Like, when – you're talking about a
1: 30-man roster. Isn't that right, Greg? 30-man roster? Yeah. So, four, and 14 teams? And 10 taxis. So any rookies, you can kind of cheat and throw them on the taxi. Oh, my gosh. I
2: mean, I know – okay, so in HQ1, it's like 16 teams, 30 or 35-man rosters, 10-man taxis, and another five-man IR slot during the season. It's stupid. Like the players you're rostering. So if you can get a bunch of – and it sounds crazy, but if you can get all these guys for dirt cheap instead of rostering the fifth wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens like I have a couple years because that's the guys that are left over. I mean, you have opportunity to gain value and flip those guys for some profit, you know. So for me, right. like what you're, what we were talking about, it, it may not pay off for players this year, but what it could end up doing is if you get, like Scott said, 12 of those guys, you know, and you're, you're spending 120 bucks for 12 backups, you only need one or two of them to hit, you know, to get mm-hmm. an opportunity. And all of a sudden you're selling for second round, first rounders, you know, I mean, I saw Brian Hill for a second rounder last year, before he made a start. Like, it doesn't mean in those kind of deep leagues like that, where you're starting a bunch of players, and there's a bunch of teams. So the the player the player starting pool is so deep that you're looking at players that you're starting. You know, a lot of these guys that I talk to, a lot of a lot of my friends play redraft. They don't understand what it means when you're talking about starting Willie Sneed as your fourth or fifth wide receiver in a 16 man league. They're like. Who? I, I'm, I, why do you have Willie Sneed? Yeah. I'm like, because the other option is some guy that's on a practice squad? I mean, it's just crazy. So, you know, there's there's opportunity to make make a profit on all those guys, which right. is why okay. I say Philip Lindsay is a good
4: buy. I don't know if you guys listened to the this week's episode yet, but I heard Sipes talking about how he would rather go studs and scrubs. Is that what you did, Scott? Sipes was saying that he'd rather have, like, six really good guys than a whole roster full of the mediocre guys. Do you agree with that? Is that what you did in, in,
1: in HQ5? So I think the the big mistake that some people have made, I kind of took that approach. Like, I paid up for Mark Andrews just because it's, it's only 1.25 PPR for tight ends, but it drops off pretty significantly. You know, there's a couple teams. I think Sipes ended up with – I think he has Josiah DeGura and Cole Komet. So he's cool. going to have to pay – I mean, he's wow. not gonna get any production at his tight end position unless he ends up winning. You know, even if he wins like a Blake Jarwin or someone like that, he's gonna be chasing, you know, eight to ten points behind the people that have Andrews, Kelsey, Ertz every single week. Now, I took the approach of I paid up for Andrews and I did pay up for Kyler Murray, but I've already started kind of like we were talking about with running backs. The, the running backs in this draft were just ridiculously high. I mean, we're talking about the top 12 15 running backs, you know, Madman paid 201 out of 200 out of 1000 for Nick Chubb. I'd rather buy a quarterback in a 12 and a 14 team super flex than pay that much for a running back. And the move I made today, like I traded Sipes Tua for his first and Teddy Bridgewater. And That's I right, look yeah. at that as totally. I, Brilliant. Have T- I have Tannehill and Kyler Murray I got an extra first now. I'm going to use the first. If I don't win on these running backs, that's when I'll get my running backs in the draft. And yep. these teams that only paid up for like, you know, you paid 40% of your budget for two running backs. What if Nick, Nick Chubb shreds his knee? I mean, that team is, there's nowhere that team can go. It's, it's done. I mean, you don't have the depth because you're now down to, you know, you're going to pick up the scrubs over these three people that have $300 left. They're just picking off good player after good player after good player. And, yeah, I, so I kind of went kind of stubs and scrubs. But at the same time, I'm willing to pivot down and pick up extra picks and extra players because I think depth's going to matter a lot more than people drafted in the auction.
2: See, I got you, Greg. I got you, Greg. That's what I that, – I preached that to. See, you got your studs. You got Mixon and a few other guys. Uh, and so then you were able to pivot back. Uh, this is what – Greg and I had a conversation in the chat the other day. And it just, it had gotten out of hand and I was telling him Tyler guys like Tyler Boyd are going to go cheap guys that guys that would go if, if you threw them out there on the first day for 60, 80, a hundred dollars are going to go for 20, 30, $40 now because everyone's out of money. You know, there's such a, there's no tier gap in that like fourth through seventh round. It's basically all the same. Like you just have to find and in an auction. It shows it more because when you start to look at it, and you start, and and if everyone is smart with their money, you'll see that they all go for forty-five bucks, you know, fifty bucks. Now, what happens is people treat it like it's a fourth rounder and a seventh rounder, and they start paying for that fourth rounder, and then you get to that seventh rounder, you're getting the same production, no age gap really, and you're you're saving that money. So, uh, when you get to, I, I still like to buy studs in an auction, but at the same time. Once I get to those middle, I'll I'll just completely reel it in. I'll put my money in my pocket and go. Okay, I'll wait a day, and tomorrow I'm gonna get these same quality players for a lot cheaper, and I'm gonna get two for every one you got. You
4: know, it's so hard though, Justin. It's so I know. Hard. But, I believe that.
3: Listen, Greg, what they're it, speaking is the truth. Uh, the auction draft so last hard. year in the 96 uh, <clears throat> league, Larry the Roto heats. All right. We had a very weird situation occur where. We had one of our twelve guys completely ghost us. Was in the league and just ghosted us <laughs> till like five days into the draft. So at this point, almost all you know, all your big name players are pretty much gone at that point. Somebody took over that team in the middle of it, and they had a full budget going into the middle of that draft and just <laughs> ate every ounce of depth. You nobody could outbid him. He had all the money and no reason not to spend it. So we're right. sitting there just watching them take all these, you know, your your wide receiver fours, your RB threes, like all these guys just eat, get eaten up to death. We and just, we have to sit there yeah. and watch. And our whole division is a little wonky because of it. Like, yeah, like yeah. out of that ninety sixteen league, like our whole division is a little wonky because like nobody had depth. A lot of us right. have good upper tier players or a decent team, but no depth at all. We just heard – I mean, Justin was just telling us about
0: his auction strategy and the one that I think he, he just finished where he held on to his money and then bought up all the rookies.
2: It uh, was one of those uh, – No me, one else yeah. had money. Right. It was <laughs> – Scott, we were talking about this uh, a week or two ago, but it was basically uh, I started this 14-team superflex, and uh, it was an auction where you rolled in and you're – so we had a startup auction. And then we had a separate rookie auction with the same budget. So you started out with a thousand dollars, whatever you had left over. So at some point, it got to the it got to where I mean, I had gone all in on a bunch of guys, had like six or seven hundred dollars in the pot. When I woke up the next morning, it, all every one of those players had been outbid, outbid, uh, had been outbid, and I just decided, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm going to pivot back. I'm going to buy some 2021 first, and I'm going to save all my money and see if I can get into auction and dominate it. And I did and got a ton of players and so we'll see how that works out. But, uh, I think it's good to be flexible in a uh, in an auction where don't go in and say I've got to get, you know, this this player at this tier and this player at this tier or whatever because at some point you can go okay, well, you know, for mine it was 14 teams start 11. So another buddy who went completely stars and scrubs. I mean, he has Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and uh, another top, you know, like another top fifteen running back, and I can't remember. And then he's got DK Metcalf, and then you couldn't name players on his team. And I kept trying to explain to him, you're going to need to to finish out your roster because when you're starting a guy who's getting two points, and the next and someone else is starting, you know, okay, so you got one guy getting nineteen and one guy getting two. <laughs> well, someone else is starting, two guys getting 11, and so they're matching your points or, or slightly outscoring, and they don't have the risk involved where, you know, if one of those guys goes down, if it's the big guy, you're screwed completely. Now, if you lose your scrub, it doesn't matter, but if you lose to Alvin Cook or Alvin Kamara or whatever, your team is hosed because now you have no substitute for that at all. Uh, yeah, so with, for, those kind of, for those kind of really deep teams, it's important that you okay. understand that – those depth pieces also give you a little bit more stability with over the turn over the course of a season combating all the injuries that we're going to see. So
0: is the auction league taking over the snake?
2: It should, but we've been talking not. about the,
0: auction. I mean, the, I mean, every week it seems we're the auction concept creeps more and more into our dialogue. Do you think that that's where I know how things are still starting to shift towards the superflex and the tight end premium? Do you think the auction, I mean, the blind bid waivers, kind of took over the whole? You know, let me put my. I, I didn't make a move, and I haven't made a move in six months, so I have the, the number one waiver claim. You know, uh, it, do you think that the the auction is now kind of maneuvering itself into the the dynasty or even fantasy mainstream? What are your What are your I, thoughts on
3: that idea? I think we see it a lot because let's face it, we do it a lot of uh, semi crazy people as far as this this goes. <laughs> um, people that are super in depth, so we're always kind of looking for that next that next thing, that next different thing to try in a league because um, right. we're all been a bunch of different types of leagues. We've all tried different challenges, so it's like let's try this auction thing, and it's different. I mean, a lot of us have you know snake draft so many times that auction draft stuff feels different. Um, Somebody like Scott or Justin, who's definitely more into value and really good at strategically attacking those things, can really take more advantage of that format than just waiting for their turn um, or always trying to trade up or back or do whatever. Um, they can more directly go around that. Um, and I know personally, I've been itching to do more this year. Um, so yeah, I think it's just that next that next craving we all we all have right now. It's like um, the until final frontier, out something else nuts. Yeah, final
1: frontier of fantasy. You knew it would be interesting to have on to talk about auction, and he is just—I got to give him kudos because he is out—he is out pacing me in this HQ five auction. Is uh, Frank Kaboom in the HQ chat? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. 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 So here's okay. what he's done. Here's what he's done. Hold on, Scott, before you say
2: it. How many quarterbacks does he have? So
1: here's interesting. He only has Zero. Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. But here's what he's what? done. He's He's going to exploit he, – oh, he, he's going to probably win this league within, if not the year, first year, the second year. But here's what he's done. He's going to exploit – and Justin will appreciate this. He's going to exploit everyone else at wide receiver. So he bought up, saved his money. He's had the leverage for the last three days. <laughs> he bought up – he bought up Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, and uh, Brandon Iyuk. Ooh. He, he taxied <laughs> all of them. Now he's going through and buying – Paris Campbell, Anthony Miller, he's buying all these (laughs) secondary receivers. So he's going to turn around. He's going to end up with probably 20 receivers, and you can only start six. So this isn't a league where you just buy, like, 20, and then you can throw them all in like I talk about all the time. But he's going to turn around and have, like, 20 receivers, and he's going to be able to nitpick and go, you know what? Your receiver got injured, so I have T. Higgins. You want to buy him, and you give me X running back that went for double that in the auction. He's going to be able to pick his spots because right now there's like 80 receivers that people like in dynasty. I mean, you can go down the ADP and be like, Oh, golden Tate, He could be useful. I'll, you know, I'll give you a throw in running back for him. I mean, but he's going to be able to make moves because he's literally going to end up with like 20 of the top 60 receivers in this auction. And then he's going to be able to go to everybody that only has like two or three and be like, Hey man, like I got tons of extra ones. I can't start them all. What are you willing to give me? (laughs) I guarantee they're going to forget that they spent you know, twice as much on that running back than that than he spent on that receiver, and they're going to pull the trade off in three months. So he, he's he's really crushed it.
2: He likes to uh, to exploit one position, um, and and I noticed that. And, and what it is is he'll go in, he'll he'll hoard that one position, and because he's and it's smart if you can play the long game. Like some people will go in, they'll hoard a position and think, oh, I can't. You know, they get into the season and say, I can't trade him this season. It's like you know, you're not you're not limited to just this season to trade like you may not win it this year but if you can be patient and work that value you can end up making a good profit you know you can bring that moolah home on this by yep. just working it's you know the people that hoard quarterbacks a lot of times that doesn't work for people because what they do is they hoard that quarterback room and then they get impatient because they think I've got to make a move because I don't have well, you don't have to make a move in year 1 much like what I did in that draft, where I just punted and said, "Okay, I'm just going to take rookies." I, I, could. My buddy was like, "You're not going to win this year." I said, "I know. I'm fine with that. I know I'm not going to win because I'm not trying to win one year. I'm trying to win multiple years. I wanted so when the value came and I was getting Jalen Rager and Jerry Judy and Mims and and uh, Justin Jefferson, all for between thirty six and forty six dollars, and meanwhile you paid you know, $90 for DK Metcalf or $110. Right. I just knew that at some point no one was going to have any money. So I could pivot, save all that money and take a bunch of chances because you, the more, the more marbles you have in the bag, the better chance you have of go ahead and grabbing, you know, a winner out of it. You know, I mean, you're not going to, if you have one marble in the bag, you know, it could be a, a dud, but if you have 20 marbles in the bag, you might have four or five good ones. You know, and that's kind of what we're talking about here with Scott, Scott saying, kaboom grabbed all those wide receivers. Well, he doesn't have to have every one of them hit. He only needs to have two, three, four, five of them hit for him to turn a huge profit.
0: Well, can I just pivot? Well, I say the word pivot, but when we talk about these big names and the studs that go out, that, 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 that cost the most in an auction or the ones that go in the first, you know, in the, in your startup, um, what about Clyde edwards Delaire and Jonathan Taylor, the, the the top two picks in pretty much all these rookie drafts right now? Where are they going in your auctions compared to the Zeke Elliotts and like? I mean, I don't want to say the older running backs because you know, I mean, I guess twenty-five is kind of old in running back. I mean, it's not you're not over the hill, but you're kind of like you're you're almost at the top.
2: Larry, they might as well be our age when they're twenty-five. All right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um,
0: where where are they? Where are they in in terms of your your top ten running backs? When you have some, I mean, because when Saquon came out, he he start in the, in the early part of of startups that year. He was kind of like the one six, you know. He was Gurley was still the top guy, and then you had your Camara and, and but, and Barkley, and you had OBJ was up there uh, back then too, and um, and in our HQ league, I, I took Saquon at the one two, and Shane actually had the one six, and I can remember him being just, I remember him like kind of ah, throwing his hands up. Um, but why can't why can't these guys be top five overall in a startup right now, or can they?
1: Uh. I mean,
2: I think it's probably because there's so many, there's so much established. See, what we had back then, you know, three, four, five years ago, was we had a lot of older talent, and we didn't have – we've had a huge influx of young talent coming into the league over the last four or five years that has hit, you know, that, that 2014 wide receiver draft. But then since then, it's been running backs left and right, I and mean, you just everywhere. So right. every year you have these monster running backs coming in. You know, uh, it was – it was Zeke, and then it was uh, Fournette, and those guys, and it was Saquon. I mean, it just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so I think you have an issue where, but now there's, it's harder to creep into that top ten because there's still a lot of young talent. You can know? you
0: see just real quick? Can you see next year, Ceh and and, and Jonathan Taylor being a top top five overall?
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, for sure. So why, can't, so why can't they be that now?
1: They are, they are. I'll, I'll bring the hot sauce on this topic. Oh, yeah. to go yeah, off. There, there it
2: is. Spice
1: Eat. it up.
4: Let's go. Yeah, nice. Let's
1: well, you guys it. know I'm. Good. You guys know I'm very convicted on running backs, and people always say, "Oh, you're nuts. You're nuts." You know, I, I. The only risk with Jonathan Taylor and Clyde edwards hilaire is that they suck at football. If they don't suck at football, they are more valuable than Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, because a year from now, a year from now they will be more valuable. I don't care if those guys go out and produce Bring top five seasons. They will be more valuable. The only thing you lose is, okay, you may lose a little bit of production in 2020. But, I mean, just look at the history with all the running backs that they get to year four, year five, year six it doesn't matter if they're still productive. I mean, we can talk about like Le'Veon Bell. I mean, that guy is a complete outlier that he's still in the NFL producing top 20 numbers at his eighth season. Mark Ingram, but when you get to that point, you're well past being able to sell him. I mean, you're at like someone like Derrick Henry right now. He's on the precipice where if you have him, I don't know if you guys have tried to sell Derrick Henry, but the only way you're selling him is if you admit you're not winning in 2020. His value is already going down. And yeah. so, I, I mean, I look at Taylor and Hilaire, especially the situations that they went into. Literally, the only risk that they are not more valuable than those guys I named is that they just suck. If they suck, if they're a bust, if right. they're Darius Geis and they get hurt, or if they're okay, Sony well, Michelle and they're not well, that good. That, that's the only bring, risk. Let me bring, bring some more hot sauce. Do All it. Right. Edward, Edward
2: Hilaire sucks.
4: Oh, oh Greg is yes.
2: Greg is
0: on this bad wagon too. If, he's
2: he's if he overrated. sucks. He's overrated. He I said he sucks. He doesn't suck. But he's he's overrated. And his, his situation yep. is not as good as everybody wants to make it seem. Okay, so I did this, I looked it up. All right. The Chiefs, everyone thinks, oh, they're gonna throw the ball to the running back a ton, and he's about to get, you know, 130 targets. Well, I hate to break it to everybody, but they haven't been outside okay, so in Andy Reid's entire tenure there, all right, in 2013, they were first in targets to the to the running back with 236. Since then they haven't been better than 13th in the league in targets to the running back, and that's what some you know Jamal Charles was still on the team at the one point. Kareem Hunt was on the team for a couple of years, but it was 13th, 28th, 19th, 14th, 24th, and then 15th last year in targets. They're not they're not the team. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to dump the ball down. He Alex Smith even yeah, that's didn't. That's wasn't, he wasn't point. a dump off guy. Like they use this intermediate passing game to to Travis Kelsey. They throw deep down the field to. Uh, to Tyreek and Mikol and Demarcus Robinson, even to Sammy Watkins, like that is not a team that is about to go dumping the ball off a la Philip Rivers. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is too good a quarterback for that. Plus, he he's got the ability to scramble. He showed it last year, even uh, after his knee got better and later in the season when he was moving moving around pretty well. Like this is not this is not the same situation that people want it to be. This is not you know uh, Westbrook Eagles. Uh, Andy Reid of 2009 or whatever. This is a whole different scenario where this is, and and not to mention okay, everyone wants to make him Maurice Jones do. Hey guys, he ran a 4-6. He's not that fast. He was a product of an incredible LSU offense where everyone thought he was going to get his he was going to lose his job. You know, all these Debbie guys were talking about he was going to lose his job entering 2020. Uh, the only reason he held it, and and that's not the not to say the only reason was because he was effective in an offense where everyone was effective. I mean Thaddeus Moss, who no one even talked about, was semi useful in the college game. I mean Justin Jefferson exploded for double almost double what he did the year before. I mean. Uh, uh, Jamar Chase was, was Jamar Chase was a was a third or fourth round Debbie Debbie pick the year before and now he's the Blitnikov winner like that offense was stupid good. And so how many how many shares of CH do you have then? Me? I got none. Yeah. We could, not, and, not even and, for you.
0: Greg. I want I want Greg, I want Greg to talk on this cuz Greg is is very anti CH here.
4: To piggyback back on Scott's points. If these kids are good football players, I think Scott's right uh they they would be top five picks next year. I think that there's a there's a much better chance that CEH is a bad football player than Jonathan Taylor. Now I watch Jonathan Taylor play every football game because I'm a Wisconsin Badger football fan. His hips aren't great, but if he breaks a tackle and gets to the second level you cannot catch him. If he if that. he is in if he is inside that hash and has just a little bit to cut to the sideline, you can't catch that kick. And CEH is a great pass catcher out of the backfield and he we talk about him being in the best offense maybe in college football history. He got drafted to the best offense maybe in NFL history. So it works. These guys landed in excellent, excellent spots for their skill sets. But when we're talking about the chance of one of these players sucking, it is C A CEH by a mile out of all five or six of your of your favorite rookies this year. CEH is, is just not a great athlete.
2: He was the fifth running back in this list entering the draft. I mean yep. And all of a sudden the landing spot makes mm-hmm. him the number one pick. No, thank you. Uh,
1: he I mean, went from
0: like, what he went from. He went to right, overreaction. Over yeah.
1: Go ahead. Brian. Well, here's, so here's the yeah. thing on Ceh. I'll argue. I'm not going to say he's not bus proof. Cause I agree with what Greg is saying. He, Taylor to me, it's, it's shocking that people haven't moved Taylor up faster To me, his floor is Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, where he's a 30-35 catch a game, but he is a bell cow. You're going to get bell cow for four years. You might get a little bit of work taken away in 2020. But, I mean, his ceiling is Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, bell cow, but his floor is Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb. I mean, I don't see where he is not a guaranteed top five or six running back. Potential to be top two or three. And, I mean – so he to me, I have the most shares of him. CEH, you know, I look at him and say, let me ask you guys this. If you knew you would get five seasons of running back 12 production out of CEH, average over five years, would you take him at the 102? Forget injuries, yeah, I'm telling you, and that's what I think people are hoping for. I don't think he ever has a chance to be the RB1. I don't think he ever has a chance to get more than 175 carries in a season. But if I can lock him in for five years, and he has that he has that fifth-year option too, that's big for running backs. With the best
0: quarterback in football, yeah. That's a good point. So if fifth I can get
1: up. running back 12 numbers for five years, to me the way running backs turn and burn every single year, I think the safety and security with him is why he's been pushed up. First round draft
0: capital, man. That's big. Right.
1: But I also yeah. felt great if I'm at the 104, 105, 106. If I have to take Acres, if I have to take Dobbins, if I have to take Swift, sure. You know. So, so CEH is a sell right now, is what you're saying? I mean, I, so some <laughs> some really smart people I've talked about or have talked to have said they're actually trying to sell their CEH shares. I'm and my, go- my wheels are turning
0: right now. So
1: they're going out.
0: And some guy, so another guy, a guy in my league is just like. Well, uh, you know, what's it gonna take to, to to get one of your top running backs? And CEH was one is I took I had the first three picks in a draft, so I took the top three guys. So, so I'm th- my wheels are turning right now. Can I can I get this guy to sell me? You know, maybe he's got Rager. Can I get a Rager? He's got like Chubb Kamara. um, he's got like those guys and Mixon, Chubb Kamara, Mixon, and he's and he drafted Rager. I wonder if I can package CEH because I mean
2: so no, don't package CEH. Have him package some players for yeah.
4: you.
1: Well, yeah, you no, 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 no. The idea I had was I, I actually think we can argue whether you prefer Mixon, Cook, Kamara. I mean, I've been very vocal in the HQ chat about who I prefer of those guys. I think a Mixon extension is coming fairly soon, yep. and mm-hmm. I prefer him. If I'm looking – if I can get two great years, I think the, the guy that has the best chance to give me two great years – is Mixon, especially if he gets an extension. The move that I was seeing that I'll try is CEH for Mixon in a second or something like that. I think you could pull it off because there's enough hesitancy on Mixon I, that you could maybe pull a deal like that off. And, man, I mean – The
0: holdout threat, you know, to ruin, your,
1: ruin your season
3: ruin your season.
1: And yeah. see, here's
2: what I think about that, though. Even with a holdout, I, I, I don't think I'm going to trust CEH in the first – three, four, five games of the season to right. to be right. an RB one, that's for sure. I, I don't think Dar I don't think uh Damian Williams goes away. I mean, that's a that's right, a player right. who's been effective in that in yeah. that offense. Um he's they they like him in pass pro. Big
0: Super Bowl showing and, and
2: CH is, is and I'm not a draft scout. I'm not a I'm not a player scout, but but everything I listen to, and I, I like to listen to guys who know a lot more than I do, they all comment about his lack of pass pro. That they sent him out so often because he wasn't good at picking up, you know, blitzers and whatnot. So that could be part of the issue with with him getting on the field or staying on the field. And, you know, even if it's a fifty-fifty split or something like that, I still think that Damian Williams is on the field a good bit. So. Uh, I don't think you're losing RB one production by trading, you know, CEH for Joe Mixon. Even if there is, and I don't think there will be, a holdout. Uh, Scott and I are on the same page with the Mixon thing. That uh, I think he is the safest of the group to get an extension. Uh, the and, Bengals and I don't money. think
1: I don't think you can make the CEH pivot to Camara or Cook because their name cachet is still too high in dynasty. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. if I compare, I put those three in the same boat because they're all unrestricted free agents. I look at all three of their situations and say, who do I trust from a touch standpoint? I think Mixon probably has the highest touch potential in the rest of his career of those three. And then from a contract standpoint, yeah, from a contract standpoint, I trust his contract more than the other two going forward as well. He's the youngest of the three. So I look at that pivot you could make. If you offer CEH for Kamara, you're probably going to get rejected. They're not even going to give you anything on top. Same with Dalvin Cook. But, I mean, let me ask you guys this. Cook or Ceh, straight up, right now, with what we know.
2: I'm taking Ceh. I am too. Yeah. I don't trust, I don't trust exactly. Cook's injury history. Um. The, I don't. I don't trust the contract situation. I didn't have to think about it. It, yeah, it was a
3: miracle. It's a miracle Cook stayed that healthy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was a miracle. He still missed the games that were important to people. You know, Mike yeah. Boom was yeah. out there starting. Exactly. Yep. That was you. Yes.
0: I lost to a guy that had started Mike Boone and fucking uh, Ward <laughs> <laughs> oh. he started it's all the, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna find it because the starting lineup is amazing and and he, he beat me by like 10 points he just had a ridiculous all the backups because that the um, that final like weeks weeks 15 weeks 16 were all like these random guys that people were plugging in. You know, Perryman okay. and Boone and and Ward and
1: Boston Scott. <laughs> it was just That's bad. Uh, DeAndre Washington signed with the Chiefs. They didn't bring him by, in by accident either. Just, that was a guy that won yeah. a couple weeks. I was trying to say more. that after the draft. The, yep. whole, the whole thing I was a, the whole reason Washington.
2: I thought
0: – Go ahead, Greg. Greg is going berserk. What was what, what, <laughs> what? – <laughs>
4: H, I don't get it, man. I'll never understand. Oh you know, he's talks. he turns me off of everything. He, every, <laughs> yeah. For some
0: reason, he's got this—the way he—I don't know—the way he like talks about his takes. I'm like on board every time he's every time he's talking to me. I'm just like, yeah, yeah man. man. Yeah, it's his fault
4: I
3: own so many Mim, MIM shares.
4: I know, yes, we fucking to MIMs
3: in every league it. because of Greg. <laughs> I do too. I've got like six <laughs> shares of MIMs. It's the
4: perfect fit. It's the perfect fit. But I'd argue Taylor landed in the perfect fit with that offensive line. I'd argue Dobbins landed. If you had Dobbins over Ceh, Dobbins landed in the perfect fit with that offense, with Fields running that Ohio State crap that they run out there. Uh. I I just, if you had, if you had those guys above Ceh before the draft, I don't get because he landed in Kansas City in a crowded backfield. You move him up over everybody that
3: they they want Kareem Hunt, and he's not going to be Kareem Hunt.
2: I don't think Er so. Okay, so and people talk about his his receiving capability. He's not the best receiver. He's an incredible route runner, but he's still got T Rex arms, he, and, that, <laughs> and that's shown. Like if you watch some film, He's still he still got like you know these little eee! arms. I mean, I mean his wingspan is tiny. What about, so. what about the
0: reports after the Chiefs made the selection that there was a you know there was a, a a war room that you know was up in arms because somebody sniped
3: Sorry. E H. You know, pounding the table. Uh, that no. situation again. R- uh, okay. Draft rumors. Okay. Draft rumors. So, draft rumors. Pounding the table for him. Right. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I I really you're, you 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 still doing startups right? We we talked about you you run like fifty leagues, but you would if you were to do a startup, you would still do a snake draft or you all options these
1: days. Scott, I think it really just depends on what you prefer. I mean, I like auctions because I put in. I'm a very analytical person, so I usually plug it into a spreadsheet and I do exactly what Justin was saying. I'm looking at, you know, I'll take the latest ADP as a guy and I'll just mark, you know, who's going for what. That way, even if they're players I don't like, I can price enforce, you know, up to like 90% on everybody on the board and then determine, okay, what's the market look like? Because you guys have been in enough auctions that most of the time all the spending happens in like the first three or four days. Right. And if you hang back with money, You know, if you're doing a league where there's only like eight or nine starters, you probably want to get the studs. But a lot of our leagues are 11, 12, 13 starters with seven flexes. It's like, dude, if you go all in on like six players, one (laughs) of them goes down and then one of them takes a shit in value, your team's dead. I mean, those are the kind of teams Mm -hmm. that get orphaned. I'd rather have 30 solid players and be able to trade and exploit the fact that everyone spent, you know, 10 times more on Michael Thomas than I bought – you know Denzel Mims for. Now is he worth 10 times more maybe in your lineup in given weeks? Yes, but you know I'll take the 10 shots on, you know, the the overall depth. So I like auctions cuz you can really it goes sideways for you know, teams can go real bad and real good very fast in auctions.
0: So I uh, so I want to talk about uh, I'm in a league with Scott and it's amazing. It's, uh, I mean, he, he runs this league and it's, and I'm, I need to be, I wish that I was smarter sometimes. So sometimes so more.
3: I know that feeling, Larry. Try drafting it next to the guy.
0: Well, I mean, I'm a brand new Debbie guy and it's a Debbie. It's uh, I mean, what, what, what do you call it? You call it a Debbie league, Scott, the running gun? Is it a Debbie league? Is that what you would call it or it's, no?
1: It's a Debbie league. Cause there's 18 Debbies that get, that get entered into the league every single year, but you're going to, I guarantee you're going to talk about the sixth round draft, right? Oh, Uh-oh. well, well, yeah, no, I,
0: well, that, that, I, that was amazing. So, so first I want to start off how i um, so I'm reading through the settings of sky and, you know, the, the, you know, when you, you're reading the settings, you scroll to the bottom, then there's the whole narrative of, of how things are run and stuff. And, <laughs> There, this is my first experience when you choose your draft slot based on the random draft order. I don't know if you guys have, have ever been a part of something like that, but it, it took me – I don't know. I'm just just—I'm just dumb or, or stupid or something. I'm, <laughs> I read it like a 100 times, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. And I'm like, how do I do this? I'm like, what do I got to do? And, I, and when I figured it out, I was just like, oh, man.
2: So, yeah. you, what is it? You generate a random order, and then the first person gets to choose their slot. The second they, person gets to choose their slot. Right, So, I exactly. do that in both of the redraft leagues. I've got, you know, at the bar I work at, it's a sport, it's Buffalo Wild Wings. It's a sports bar. And I'm in I'm in two uh, local drafts with it. And we transitioned to that like three years ago. I um, love me it. Me and one other guy, I commission one of the leagues, and one of my regulars commissions the other. I got some software on my computer. We, we throw our stuff on the big screen. I mean, it's a big production for us to do our drafts. Oh, I've met a
0: Buffalo Wild Wings when you have
2: like yeah. nothing but flat screens all over the place. Yeah. And look, we're a, this is a monster Buffalo Wild Wings. Like this is not your like typical <laughs> around the neighborhood. This is one of like the top twenty five stores in the in the nation. It's crazy. Uh-huh. And but we started it. We've start we we pull a pack of cards out. We put 12, 12 or ten because one of the leagues is a ten man one. And that's what we do. We we pick our cards out, and then you get to choose your spot. And I love it. I think. I think it's a great strategy thing to add to it. Yeah. You know, for someone it's it's a good alternative for if you don't have an auction, because then there's something more to the because if you're just picking an order, you know, okay, you get the, the number one pick, you're getting C M C or Saquon or whatever, you get if you get the ninth pick, whatever. I mean, like that's the great thing about auction is that you can go in on any player you want to. But uh, yeah. yeah. These guys yeah. aren't doing an auction, I can guarantee that. So I mean we're talking about some like this is home leagues, but uh yeah i like that idea and and that's what i've been doing in a in a redraft league where you know every year we do it but go ahead yeah. Larry, i, I, I mean I, actually
0: so people. so so i so i guess i had i was i was drawn the the i had the 11th pick and when it got to me i was like you know what just give me the 12th because i don't want to sit i want to make my two picks i don't want to sit and have to wait i don't want to make a pick and wait like five minutes or six hours until the next one. I just want to bang, you know, make my two picks and then <laughs> I'll, I'll see you tomorrow or whatever it is. Uh, so whatever I'm reading through and, and there's so many like cool different bells and whistles about this league. And it, and i and it's like, it's too tight end, and it's 1.75. Uh, I mean, I am I we talk about this league every week. Anyway, Like I, I just randomly bring this up anyway, this league. Um, so, then there's, so there's the Devi portion, like the, the, the rookie slash Debbie was a part of the startup, uh, the first five rounds. And then I'm reading this sixth round blurb that he has in, in the narrative. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know idea what the fuck this is. And I'm trying to comprehend it. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, oh, oh fuck, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm just going to whatever, man, I'll just wing it and stuff. But, uh, and, and Scott's a great, um, commissioner because I think you did before the draft, you were like, Hey, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to have like a YouTube sit down Q and think you did something like that where you were yeah, like, well, if you want to talk about the league, I'll do this. And I didn't take part in it and I obviously clearly should have, but.
4: Well,
1: uh, the, the interesting part is it's a mixed Debbie draft, but basically, you know, we all do startups where the rookie picks are in the draft and you're picking those before the draft. So then you can have another draft. I Maybe mean, we all just want to draft, draft, draft. But yes. the interesting part about this is the sixth round. So there's six rounds in the draft, right? The first five go off the board. 12 round or 12 players picked in each round, so 60 draft picks. But you can pick 12 devies in the first five rounds of the draft, right? And right away, right away I'm confused. Well,
4: <laughs>
1: so then the 6 different. round picks, the, the sixth round picks are separate. That draft takes place right before the season and you can take six more devies in that and whatever rookies don't get picked, go then. So the the reason I made this clear was because, and I did it in my own league because no one else did. I took the 601 and the 602 before, before mid third round picks because I get to watch everything all summer and I get basically the pick, the first pick of whatever's left over in August. So... I get the first two Debbie players if I want, and you can pick six more Debbie players in in that draft. You know, six more can come off the board. So it's just an interesting value on the picks. And then obviously there's only 12 Debbie's that can be picked in the first five rounds. So what do you think happened in the rookie draft? People are like, oh, shit, I want a Debbie. I only have one pick in the first 20. I'm going to pass up, you know, Jalen Rager and take Rashad Bateman. And I think that happened in a couple couple picks where it's like, you're taking a Debbie receiver well, over, actually, Shane you
0: know. Rager with the 106.
1: Yeah, not Rager specifically, but you saw Debbie receivers yeah. going over, oh, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. T. Higgins and Denzel Mims and Pittman. Yeah. Like, so people are picking Debbie players. And it's not because they're more valuable. It's because all the Debbies are going to get pushed off the board because there's only 12. So it becomes a scarcity thing just like quarterbacks, just like any position. So it's just a unique league, and I think it's fun because – Larry spammed me trades for like two weeks trying to get Chris Herndon off of me.
4: Ah. <laughs> I,
1: I'm just like, man, I I wanted to trade with you, but I'm like, the two tight ends is just so brutal when you don't have them. Oh my god. It's so hard to replace in rookie drafts that like so it's tough.
0: So the sixth round thing, I would have been totally on board with that. But you chose you started the run right after I guess I had made a trade. So I wasn't picking for like 40 picks. Yeah. And you started the six oh so you started the run, and then people started taking the six-rounders, and I'm like, ah, fuck, everyone's grabbing the six-round picks. And I'm like, shit, I'm not picking for like 35
1: picks. <laughs> so. Well, and I, I came out of it with the 601 and the 602 and the 607 and the 608. So basically, if I take two Devies to start, the next four picks are going to be Devy players because they're scarce. Right. So then I'm going to end up getting whatever two rookies slip through the cracks, the Chris mm-hmm. Carson's, Tariq Cohen's, Philip Lindsay's. And this is a start 13 league. So I'm like, okay. dude, if I get one rookie that I can play, that's a win. I mean, and I see that as more valuable than picking, you know, I love this player, but that's more valuable picking those picks than like KJ Hamler, you know, KJ Hamler, I probably could have picked like the late third round, but I would rather have the time. I rather have the pick. That's not going to go anywhere. I get to see a whole summer's worth of information before I have to make those picks. Right. So you'll find the you'll
0: you'll find exactly. Lindsey, yeah. Exactly. So but yeah, it was real it was real interesting
1: and the, and the draft was was fun. But and the, that, here's here's one more thing I'll say on it. The yeah. scoring is set up to where George Kittle went at the 102. That's how high the tight ends right. are valued. Right. And yeah. you got to start 2 you have to two and it's you're evil. So but here's Please. the other thing. Now Larry was in that league. Shane was in that league. A couple other HQ guys were in it. John Bauer was in that league. He's in exactly. It. This was a sharp league. So if you picked the 101, you were not getting four picks for one to trade. No one was trading. Everyone's like, oh dude, I'm at the 112. I'm good. I'm going to get Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. I'm good. You know, there no one's trading down because it's so deep in terms of the first Two So, I mean,
0: so. my mindset going into this. I mean, I just got done with a season and, and the, diag- the, uh, the 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 diagnostically the dynasty diagnostic league, and, and Brian and and Justin mm-hmm. is just finished a startup for that league. It's a it's a, finished, a, right. it's a big copy league. Oh yeah, he's in the <laughs> league he's not finished with. So anyway, they have a dollar. It's a dollar. It's a it's a one point seven five tight end premium, one tight end start, but. This was my first experience with such a high-end tight end premium, so I know the value of the tight end. And for you to have dollar, uh, one, dollar again, one point seven five tight end premium, and have t- two tight ends start, I that was the only thing that was consuming my my mind throughout this entire draft was I got to get tight ends, got to get tight ends, I got load up on tight ends, I got load up on tight ends because I had just done a fr- uh, a buddy of mine wanted me to get in his kids free league yahoo league last redraft league that had started two tight ends it was just some random whatever i was like yeah man i'll get in and i I struggled with the two tight ends because everyone had tight ends so i was like okay you need tight ends not only do you need tight ends in just a standard two tight end league for it to be a a 1.75 tight end premium and need two tight ends you need fucking tight ends on your team in order to function properly so yeah. I ended up taking, I think, Mark Andrews, I on the on the turn. I think my first two picks were Kyler Murray and Mark Andrews. I ended up subsequently flipping Mark Andrews for like Gusecki and. Uh, that
1: was a great trade for you too. Will,
0: uh, yeah, uh, yes, that was that was great. I needed that too because I, I mean, my and my, my general strategy in a startup is I only draft like first and second year guys. But the Devia, the Devi thing, it was just it was such an interesting. Like if I had to do it all again, I would, I would, i would, I'd like, I'd be excited, I'd be, I'd have like a different mindsets, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great league. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, you know what
1: killed me is the guy. There's a guy in that league. I think he joined the HQ track, jo- Joseph uh, Patrino. Patrino, yeah, 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 okay. So I met him last year, and he's been one of those guys that just picks my brain on everything. Great dude. But I know, you know, he soaks up a lot of what I you know, a lot of this theory watch, stuff yeah. I out there. <laughs> yeah. He had the last two Debbie picks in the rookie draft and he takes Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth, who are both probably gonna be first round tight ends next uh, year. Those are the, that's those are why the, yeah. I took those two, 601 and six oh two, is to take those Debbie tight ends. And he left, you know, a bunch of probably first and second round receivers on the board and he took those two damn tight ends. So he I crushed, mean so so I mean
0: I made a super – I mean, I made a super uh, blunder in that league. I was I, – I had I – w- I was on the clock, and the illogical pick was Rondell Moore or, or Bateman. And the pool guys right, – my pool was being opened up, and I think I was I – w- I had a million things going on, and I was freaking out. And I actually went to make the pick for Bateman, and I got rejected because I hadn't dropped – one of my pick numbers, I guess I didn't have the roster space. Yeah. So I had to drop. And then I got sidetracked again. And I sidetracked again. And I'm, <laughs> I knew <who> you took. <laughs> and I'm freaking out. And I'm, and I don't even know. And I, and I'm, and I'm shooting like Kane text messages and me and him are DMing back and forth. And so I, I knew I was either going to be one of those two receivers. And then I don't know what the heck came over me and all, and you, and I know everyone's going to pound on, pound on me for this. <laughs> I had Ronald Jones on my team,
4: what?
1: and Uh-oh. I
0: just panicked, and I took Keyshawn. Got to lock up
1: that backfield, and, and, oh, my, and, and it man. went against
0: everything I believe in when it comes to drafting in general. I was drafting for the future. I wasn't. I wasn't drafting a win now or a win tomorrow team. I wanted to draft a dynasty team with heavy Devy guys, and I was just ah. Oh, and I and I made the pick, and I was like, "Oh my God, what did I just do?" And I was like, "Holy fuck!" And I'm like, "Oh fuck now!" I'm, and then I start thinking about everyone else in the league, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm a laughing stock of this fucking." <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> so well, next now I'm just yeah. like, oh,
0: fuck it, who cares?" Hopefully, fucking is. And you know what? I haven't drawn. I I have no shares of on anywhere. That was that's the only single one share I have of him. Because I was so devastated, but that I made that pick, that I that I ha, I look the other way anytime he's like sitting there in front of me in all my rather rookie drafts. <laughs> so that's uh, there the, there's that man. Holy shit! I can't wait. I'm so happy to get that off my chest. You got. That's the first time I've talked about this.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're right though. Those, here for you. those two tight ends with tight end premiums are. I mean, you're. I'm looking at your your roster, and you have guys like Nick Boyle, and you're going, man, I actually like him. Like he could be thrown in there and score like eight points in a given week. Like Dude, that's valuable. Andrews gets a
0: knee or
1: anything. Tight yeah. ends get hurt too. That's the thing. Tight ends get
0: hurt a lot. Yeah. So Boyle's a huge pick, man. But in a in a two tight end. Uh, but, but but getting since we're talking about run and gun, uh, another thing Scott did in his league, uh, in this league, uh, he sends a message out. He DMs the league and he's like, I'm selling Brian Edwards at 8 p.m. tonight to the highest bidder. And if and I will delete I will reject your trade offer immediately once if it's not as good as the best one I have. So everyone starts, I guess, throwing you offers. Shane comes in with a good one, and you're like, "Shane, so far is the best offer." And then, you know, what? Well, well, I mean, what? Let's hear about the the mindset or how you came up with this idea and
4: how where does this come been. from? Did you did you come up with this? Did this happen in one of your leagues and you adopted it? How? Where did this come? I love this idea. Where did it come from? And how has it worked for you? I want to know.
1: Yeah. So we have a league where it's, it's been going on for four years and there's a couple guys in there that just auction, they just auction like something every single month. And you know, one guy auctioned the one Oh two rookie pick. And I'm like, dude, I wouldn't auction that because you're committing, you can put rules in there, but typically what I do is like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trade this player at 11 PM. So I'm going to trade him even if I get shit and I've been burned. I've done this in nine leagues thus far this year. And I think two or three, I've ended up like I, I did one for Brian Edwards in a league that wasn't so active. I traded it for two future third round picks Ouch. and it, it's, mm. it's auction money. So it's not as bad because I can just convert it to dollars. But still, I mean, it was all shitty offers, but yeah, I just, it spices up the activity. And ideally what you can do is I will reply back within like five, 10 minutes when I get the offer and I'll just say, Hey, I got an offer that's one for one or, you know, the here, here's where you stand, basically. So basically, keep coming at me. You know, keep shooting shots. It might catch my eye because my values might be different than yours. So it worked out good. Of course, Shane was like – Shane's first offer was, you know, Darius Geist, which I need running backs. I'm a zero RB guy. And Edwards was like my 10th receiver. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty close straight up based on my team needs. But then he throws in a second and a fourth. I'm like, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat this. But, yeah, I think it's just fun to – you know, throw it out there and see, but you can get burned. A couple of leagues I've tried it and no one sends any offers. And then you're just sitting there going like, okay, wow. I mean, but I don't know. Have you guys ever done anything like that? Cause I think you have to pick a player that's good, that has some buzz, but is not devastating to your team. Like I'm Different. not throwing up there, you know, my, my wide receiver one or my tight end one, or like if I can absorb the loss, like a 20% loss, cause I just get shit offers, then I'll do it. Um, like I did one AJ Dillon. I threw him up there because I have 10 shares of A.J. Dillon. (laughs) That's a good one for these guys. Well, someone offered me Raheem Mostert and two third-rounders. Now, I probably took a value loss, but I look at it as, hey, I might get the same production from Mostert or more next year, and I got two free third-rounders. So that's a win from a kind of a strategy standpoint, but maybe not an overall long-term value standpoint. But that's the kind of offers you get. Usually you get shit, and then maybe one clicks, and it's good. So it's fun.
0: Right. Now that particular one for Brian Edwards, did you get, you fielded a lot of offers? Cause this, I mean, this is a league with guys that know what they're doing. They know Edwards is, has value. They know he's, you know, probably better than rugs when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. I mean, so were you getting a lot of,
1: was there a lot of, a lot of uh, traffic coming your way or no? Yeah. You know, what's hilarious is I don't think I would have done it, but one player I've been really trying to buy a ton in the last two weeks is Darius Slayton. Yeah.
4: Interestingly enough, yes, we, I we would did do. That live yes. here. We were talking I about, I know it you guys here.
1: did. I know you guys did. I would probably prefer, I would prefer Slayton over Edwards, but Shane's offer, I think, just fit my team a little bit more. Yeah. Like I said, I went zero RB. I don't love Geis, but I think he's one of those in the same mold as Lindsey. All the guys we talked about, like higher upside than where he's being valued. And then he threw in the extra picks, which always gives you flexibility. Picks, are, I think, yeah, picks are sweet.
2: And so you I got, think I got a second and a third. Is that a second was?
1: and a fourth. It's Debbie depleted though, so it's probably more okay. like a, um, a you know, 30. we can take twelve more Devi's. So if twelve Debbies come off the board, I'm probably looking at still a, a pretty true second round pick. So I think in that you got to take it just because that pick's more flexible, especially in a start thirteen league. I'd rather have the four, you know, the three asset side versus the one.
2: Yeah, it's nice. Crazy. Yeah, we were we were sitting here so like, you, hey, Larry, send this offer, send this offer. It was like, you know, uh, it
4: was, seven,
1: it was like nine fifty eight or, whatever, eight, or eight, seven eight, minutes before, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Then you said Justice <laughs> Hill, and I'm like, dude, you're done.
4: Ah! <laughs> I think It was Justin's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Justice, Hill.
1: Oh. You guys Justice should, Hill. You guys should try <laughs> it though in a league that is fairly active. What? Here's what I normally do to start it off, and Larry might see this in the chat. I will say in my group me chat, let's say it's a 14-team league, right? I will say if this post gets seven likes, I will auction a player. That way I know at least half the league saw me post that message. That way they can't yeah. claim, well, I was out of pocket today. Eight people didn't even see it. Right. So at least if I know half the chat read it, I'm going to probably get at least four or five offers, and then I'll take my chances.
0: Nice. I like it. I like I'm going to try that sometime. Yeah, I'm to
4: I'm going to try it tonight.
1: It's fun. I'll send you
4: the uh, – I, nice like come on. Come on.
1: <laughs> I have a script. I will send it to you guys if you want, like of what I post. And you can just fill in your player names, and you can just paste it in your chat, and it looks pretty good.
4: Yeah, I would love that because I'm taking notes. I that.
1: Good. I want to see it.
0: So, Scott, how many leagues are you actually in? Oh, boy. And how many oh, – okay, I have three. It's a three-part how question.
2: Many fingers, how many fingers and you have?
0: How <sighs> many leagues are you in? How many do you commish? And what is the percentage best ball versus just regular league?
1: So I commission 11 dynasty leagues. Mm, golly. I am in 47. <laughs> and only one of them is best ball, believe oh, it or not. Yeah. What? What? Only one of them is best <laughs> wow. ball. It wow. gets better. It gets better. I am in – I have a high-stakes partner that we play FFPC, and I'm so deep in terms of what I've spent on FFPC leagues already. I've already signed up for 20, and he's sitting there going like, dude, you are a degenerate. You you are putting up (laughs) thousands of dollars to play here, and you spend all your time in Dynasty. So it's just – Dude, my Sundays are just terrible. I can't talk. I nothing. I it's all imagine. just lineups, man. Yeah.
0: Now are you now you're like some super champion, like some FFPC like super champ, right? Some master champ or something like that.
1: Are, you have some, so I've won I've won four main events in FFPC, which are the two thousand dollar buy-ins. So I mean that we've built up a decent bankroll to where we can play, you know, you can play pretty high volume over there, not anywhere level of like the world champs that are playing. I mean, there's guys that are playing 500 redraft leagues in the right. FPC. I mean, believe it or not, and they're spending. There's a guy last year that played 250 main event leagues, Holy and they're they're too grand to pop. Right. So, you know, I'm in Damn. six. I'm in six main events, and that's plenty for me. Like, if I don't win big, I'm good with that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've won four main events in three years. That's that's a mm-hmm. decent payback, and you know, it's 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 a bankroll. It's a bankroll. That's all That's I'll amazing.
0: say. Yeah, I would love to uh, do something like that.
1: I mean, hey, all, Jerry, we we all, we all we all I'd love to, to roll
0: the, the team dice, team baby. I would
1: do. do. I just got to sell a kidney first. Listen, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy got in the pros versus Joes last year under Dynasty Football Factory and he won his league. There's six leagues of 12 people each. He won his league. So he now won a main event this year. $2,000 entry. And Wow. He's like, oh, I don't even know when I'm going to play it. I'm like, dude, you better cash that in. Because, I mean, two grand, there's a nice prize if you, if you cash in that. So that, it, that 12, it's possible. Are they 12-team they leagues? They're 12-team leagues. The playoffs run uh, week 12 and 13. So it's an 11-game regular season. 12 and 13 is the playoffs. And then the top 400 teams go to a qualifying tournament, and they play week 14 through 16 total points throughout the three weeks. And then there's prizes, you know, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 20th, 30th, 50th. So it's big because this year, the biggest thing about FFPC is that the bye weeks come into play. This year, Tampa Bay and Carolina have bye weeks week 13. So are you taking Christian McCaffrey 101 if you know he's not going to be there in your championship week? Wow. wow. Yeah. That's big. that's a big decision yeah. right there. Yeah. Or, or is there, there trade deadlines and stuff? Are you, are you trading or no? No trades. It's all redraft, no trades, waivers ends in week 10. Um, it's, it's very much like best because It's only 20 roster spots. So you do have to enter the playoffs cause there's no waivers the last six weeks. You do have to enter the playoffs with like, you know, you got to have two kickers. You got to have two defenses. You got to have your handcuffs like, cause there's no bailing out if guys get hurt. But this year, with Tampa Bay and Carolina, those two teams. I mean, that's that's Godwin, Evans, DJ Moore, Keyshawn Vaughn, McCaffrey. I mean, that's a lot of fantasy relevant guys in the first right. five or six rounds that are going to be out of pocket. Well, so I just avoid those players, honestly.
0: Wow, that's a yeah, that's a big hit right there that week. So, yeah. all right, man. Well, uh, I have one more one more question. I think it, uh, what Allen Lazard. Where are
2: we where are we at with him?
4: Oh, oh God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay all right so Scott let's hash this out let's hash this out where we don't have to have an hour long conversation Alan Lazard or KJ Handler
1: I need context man I've actually I've actually bought a couple of shares of Alan Lazard but I, I can't quit KJ Hamler, man I can't quit KJ I Handler can't. but it's more of a stash on a team like that's the perfect kind of player to buy like Kaboom is buying in that in that auction yeah. he's your 15th receiver you put him on your taxi no expectations at all, so it's really team dependent, I think.
2: Yeah, for, for me, and, and this is the conversation Larry's, Larry's being an asshole and bringing it up because we had this. I, and it, these conversations, I love, always, I love, like, I love the know, conversation, they always go like 45 minutes, but it's really like a three minute conversation. But when you're typing and, and reading and typing and reading and returning to it, it takes forever, so it seems like you're just like battling for hours, but it, it's really like you know, nothing. You know, you could have it in, in, but the conversation basically was Alan Lazard or a third-round pick, and and I brought up KJ Hamler, like, okay, you taking KJ Hamler, and my my thought process was, I think Alan Lazard actually sees the field this year and is productive, and so he gains more value than KJ Hamler, and so in in the fall at week nine or ten, you're going to get more for Alan Lazard than you would KJ Hamler, and that was that was essentially what I was arguing, and it turned into this like long hour long thing and it was like it, completely you know for everyone else that wasn't involved these conversations are so damned annoying I'm sure because now they got to scroll back like 70 messages to even know what the hell we're talking about
4: I, just... <laughs> well, I, mean,
2: I mean Green
0: Bay yeah, I mean, we, we, who knows what Green Bay is doing right now? We, I, I feel like they're they know what they're doing, but and we're just, you
4: know, we're well, just you're the only one. You're, you're the only one. On.
2: Trust me, dude. They, I
0: don't think they do. Well, well I mean, who, who knows? Maybe they don't. But uh, I mean, Alan Lazard has come up lately, a, a lot of different, you know, on Twitter, and a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the guys out there that that run the that that do the. I mean, I know. um I've heard on different pods, Lazard's been popping up as the wide receiver too. I mean, I feel like he's the uh, just a a big sell right now. To be honest with you. Uh, why do you want Alan Lazard on your team? Because he's never been anything before. He's he's been a, a little bit. He has a little connection with with Rogers. Why wouldn't you try to get even just anything for him right now?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, it's I the same.
1: Gonna... Go ahead, Scott. Well, I was going to say, I remember, I don't remember who this was, but I remember in the HQ chat after free agency, when Diggs got traded, right? Someone posted, hey, should I trade two thirds for Ola B.C. Johnson? And I remember I went on one of my, I went on one of my diatribes and I just about how that's terrible process to trade third round picks for Ola B.C. Johnson. One, because it's March. You don't know who they're going to draft. You don't know who else they're going to sign. But there's also, if you look up like even Alan Lazard on ADP right now, I mean, where's he going at on ADP? There are literally 90 relevant receivers in Dynasty. And who knows, not 90 of them are going to produce necessarily, but like there's just so many receivers. So when you're talking about, okay, there's – what would you guys say? Maybe 40 receivers in Dynasty that are worth a third-round pick, give or take. Like what it would take to get off someone else's roster, right? Sure. Like, you know, you go to the Alan Lazard owner and you offer him a fourth, they're going to say no. It probably takes a third to get him. You know, it probably takes a third to get a guy like Golden Tate, you know, something like that. But there's only 12 third round picks, right? There's only 12 third round picks and there's 50 receivers. So just from a process standpoint, why would you not load up on the extra third round picks? Sell all your fringe receivers right now that go back and buy them during the season when you need them because the equity you're getting is so much more because you have the scarce asset. There's only 12 third rounders. There's yep. 40 or 50 relevant receivers in that range. So who cares who the player is? It's more of a process thing. That's why I was talking about Alan Lazard as I'm not interested in buying him just for that same reason. But the Hamler-Lazard thing I think is more of just a team-defendant process thing.
0: Yeah, Lazard seems to be coming up. He comes up. I think he's he's made an appearance in every, every uh, episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got a
3: couple well, packages. This time fans was your there.
0: fault, you jerk. Well, I mean, <laughs> Wait, what you,
3: the package fans didn't say anything about
0: Lazard. Okay, <laughs> I am. I, I'm. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by Lazard. I feel like he's a. He's like the perfect redraft guy. Uh, to to just pick up at, at the end of your draft, and in dynasty, oh man, there's so many guys that are. There's so many guys that are going to be all about Lazard. Oh, he's the man. Just like. Those the Robbie
2: Anderson folks,
0: you know, the, they're going to be the same guys that are all about Lazard, and I feel like you could just get anything for him because yeah. see my thought process.
2: And if I could get two thirds for Lazard, I'd sell him in a heartbeat. But right mm-hmm. now he's a third. He's he's equal to a third rounder basically. And my thought process is if he's rolling out there and he's a fifty-five for eight hundred and five guy, you can get a late second for him, and so you gain value. Whereas I don't think any, you know, the the. In, in the ADP right now, Tyler Johnson is going right ahead of him. Who's going to be more valuable in October of 2020? It's, there's no question for me, it's going to be Lazard. Like Funches? Tyler Johnson, Funches, Funches Tyler or
0: Tyler on. Johnson? Do what? Funches or
3: Tyler Johnson? Can you just give up on this Funches <laughs> shit? Can you, if, it's, can we, <laughs> if it's too tight end premium, we'll go Funches because he's going to yeah, have a tight end <laughs> designation by the season.
4: <laughs>
2: Dude, we're going to be talking about Funches said, all season. The Get out you are going to be talking about Funches, and the rest of us are going to be shaking our head like I'm trying to
0: forget
3: <laughs> that he exists on our
2: team right I, now. I don't even know why I care about the Packers. I have
0: no idea. I just I just like talking it's about because you
2: have – don't you know Funches in HQ1? I do yeah. have Funches. And yes. so you have three you have three team – you have three competitors in this podcast with you, and all you want is to sell Funches for anything. <laughs>
0: you know I traded – in another league I'm in with Shane, I traded him Funches for uh jaw Straight up, wow! What do you got?
3: Damn! Oh, <laughs> Jay.
0: least, least Jay. Jaw
2: is you know young. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. I think he was banged up last year. I mean, why not? Why? Why can't he be? It was he was a he was He's a, he, a he was drafted player. before DK Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean
2: it doesn't mean that that was a good decision. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I'll Let I'll me just
2: say Apple this guy. though about guy. Go ahead, Scott. What
1: you're talking about? No, I was just what you're talking about is. You know, this is a way, this is going to be my most popular thing in the next two months with all of these leagues that I'm in. And usually I'll hit like one or two leagues a day when I have some time, you know, during my work day. I'll go through and it'll just strictly be moves, especially at the receiver position. I don't necessarily think I'll go and sell Lazard, you know, straight up for a good team's random third rounder, right? But if I can do what Justin said, if I can find those fringe receivers, especially if your league is. I don't want to say shallow, but like somewhat shallow, where you have guys like one that I really like that no one talks about is Isaiah Ford. He's going to be in line to be a third receiver on the Dolphins ah. and produced last year, has a good profile, guarantee he's on waivers in probably 70% of your leagues. So if you can go out and somehow get like a late second for Alan Lazard, pick up Isaiah Ford on waivers, what do you have? Maybe a 20% chance that you have the more productive guy in 2020. And you've still picked up the most valuable asset in the trade. So I think that's where you can exploit. Sell your players for picks now. Have the picks during week 14, 15 next year. Send that third to start DeAndre Washington in the playoffs. That's when it matters. That's when you're buying points, and the points are right in front of me to buy. I'm not projecting points out going, well, Lazard might get you know, 78 targets, and he might have three relevant games. I mean – It's just so far away from knowing any information. I just typically stick with my process until the season gets here. So long winded, but I just want to throw that out there. I love
2: it. I just look for sell windows on guys. Like I had this conversation with someone on Twitter the other day, and uh, it was, uh, you know, about third round guys and selling them or whatever. and, And who do you buy in a third round? But, anyways, I brought up Darwin Thompson. And, you know, who cares about Darwin Thompson except that last August there was like this hype train on him. And it was at that point, you bought him for a third rounder. You could have sold him for a second or better. I mean, you could I have have got up first a first round. Of, you could have got a first yeah, round yeah, for Darwin. There, was, there yeah. was literally a late. There was, there was, I pulled up the DLF trade finder. I like that tool a lot yeah. um, because you can kind of weed through. And it was crazy some of the trades that were going down. I mean, it was uh, two seconds or uh, there was a late first in there. Like, I mean, if if I can find windows of opportunity to sell a player I will. So and I'm not going to sell a player whose value is going to be the same in 5 months regardless. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. But if I can if I can wait that 5 months whether I get more value or not, I can still sell the player, you know. So I think there's an upside sell on that's part of my process that Scott's talking about his, but is I always want to look for the window where you know Brian Hill gets a starting job because everyone's hurt in Atlanta. I don't care if he if he turns into the next Todd Gurley, fine. And he and, you know whatever. I don't care if I can make a profit before I know that. That's fine. That's that's perfect for me because you know I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna more times more often than not that third round fourth round you know rookie pick that you drafted. If you can sell on a on a profit, you're not losing anything because they're not gonna hit. You know whether they get on the field or not. So as soon as I can make a profit on a player, I'm I'm just about always going to do it. You know, I'm not worried about whether I'm going to whether I'm losing value past that point. All I'm worried is if I gained value from when I got them to win to it. to the next step. So cool.
0: All right, man. Good stuff. So anybody got anything else before we wrap things
3: up? Uh, um, oh, I got my first Barkley share today. Ever. Oh, congratulations. How'd <laughs> that happen? Uh, uh, one of my home leagues traded uh, 106, 108, and 208 for Barkley in the 205.
2: Oh, wow. This well, guy I is – commented on this earlier and I said, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's crazy. Like,
3: Well, this
4: guy
2: – Once again, home league.
3: Yeah, And this right. guy is like a wide receiver desert. I mean – Has nothing, but he's super, super deep at running back. Um, But he's got nothing at wide receiver. So he's been trying to build wide receiver for a while. Um, And we've got – he's another pretty competitive team. It's been kind of three or four of us in that top mix every year with this league. So a lot of the lower-tier teams have kind of stopped trading with us (laughs) at some some degree. that's what happened. Um, Not not real bad, but, I mean, there's a few of them that are kind of like, nah, we're just holding out. So he's been trying to get back into this draft for months. And uh, he finally just sent me that today, and I was like, uh, okay.
2: Well, Brian, congratulations for moving up and moving him down in that four-team pecking order because, uh, yeah, the 106 yeah. and the 108. And and you gained three spots in the second round for yep.
3: – get oh, 10 teams.
2: Yeah, right, right.
3: I have to be at, uh, you know, mid
2: there. Yeah, that's just – So I'm pretty pumped about Absolutely. Good for you, man. I mean, you're still looking. Whatever, Brian. Whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play um, any leagues with people. A few like,
4: before I go, um, my buy low was T.Y. Hilton. Go by T.Y. Hilton if you're a contender. Oh, good God, lord. Scott, thank you for coming on, man. Between you and Justin, since I got in that HQ groupie chat, I've learned so much from you, too. And I, I just appreciate the both of you. And I feel fortunate to be on here with you guys. It's been fun. Thank you.
1: Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. I sometimes feel like Justin and I can have like our own dynasty debate show and <laughs> actually funny, go back and not, forth. Like, it's fun. You know,
2: Scott, I came on your show like, you know, months ago, I guess it was like January, February. And it wasn't like the chat at all. I was telling the guys, they were like, we'll just let you guys go for an hour. And, you know, but it's like, it wasn't as combative. But there are times where we get into it on the chat. and It's like, yeah, you know, this is this and that, and yeah. that you know. Now the but, chat like, the chat is
0: that. the HQ, it's the it's the, it's the Dynasty Trades HQ Patreon um, chat, group me chat, yeah, which we're all a and, member of, yeah. And yep. sometimes we'll just throw a piece of meat out there and Justin and Scott'll just go <laughs> <and hang laughs> over it for like
3: for like an hour or two. And, yeah, we're like uh, and okay. to quiet for 10 <laughs> minutes, time to start something. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: but uh, yeah, man, it's great, man. I love that love loved having you on, Scott. And and if you're looking for him anywhere uh he's a charles chill ffb on twitter he's the uh he's a dlf writer dlf football he, he hosted the dynasty and chill dynasty chill pod um co-hosts uh chase the Hellman. i'm reading your twitter bio here your contributor fantasy flock net off the off the rails dino you do that with madman sometimes that that's oh, yeah. kinda, he has he has that it's like this hidden pod that madman has i don't know if you guys are aware of of the Madman Fantasy Madman has oh, this podcast that he drops like randomly. And um, and it's yeah. it's literally
1: out. secret and random. It's uh we we've done like six episodes, and it's myself, him, uh Matt Walker from Fantasy Forty, Dan Williamson from the GOAT District, and we all just jump on and just it's literally just bullshit for like two hours. And yeah. it's he never half the time we do it, he never even posts the episode. So ah. yeah, get on his case, but it's a good show We'll put it out. So yeah. it's like
2: Larry and I's first episode together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: it's, just, yeah. it's yeah, somewhere yeah. here.
0: It, it's on like uh, I don't know. It's uh, I have that somewhere here. We'll we'll dig it just up
2: email there. me. Just email me the file and I'll turn it into an MP3.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, uh, again, I want to thank Scott for coming on and and uh, we will see you next time on the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast.
4: Man, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And broadcast.